I'm pushing 40 and like going out like twice a week feels like a chore. I'm 30 and I don't go out many weeks. (laughs) No, I'm, I'm in my twenties and, and yeah, going out once a week is totally enough. This is this is the podcast for people who stay in, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and who are envious. What do you like to do at home? <laughs> uh, yeah, our I theme mean. song is "Basement Dwellers." So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. This is. Uh, I like to watch bad movies. Work on music. Nah, do I work on music? No, I like cooking. <laughs> I like cooking too. Yeah, yeah cooking and. Uh, um, listening to music in the shower. <laughs> That's good. I need to get so I yeah, need to get like some music situation in the bathroom. Oh yeah, you have to do that. Yeah. Katie just plays her phone in the bathroom. Uh, it's not good enough. I need some I need some bass. Yeah. <laughs> um just open the door to the other room and put the speakers out well, there. Well, that's what I usually do cuz I have like the speakers in our bedroom like and that's just kind of where the bathroom is so if the door's open, it's fine. But it's also like, then I kind of have to blast it. Mm-hmm. And we live in like a nice house with like a nice family. And oh, I'm just okay. like, wait, so what do you should like I blast to listen to? At when home? you're taking a shower, yeah. What, taking it? a shower? Oh, field recordings are good. Um, this is the shower. You field take recordings in the, in the shower? Wait, yeah. this is the, sh- the first shower. The sh- you take a shower when you wake up. I right? usually don't. No, I don't. When do you take your shower? Uh, depends. I'm yeah. the kind of person like I can't. I I wake up and I take a shower. Okay. It's like br- I actually brush my teeth in the shower. I know. I've known people Multitasker. to do that. <laughs> yes. I brush my teeth after I get out of the shower. Okay. But I've never done it in the shower. Yeah. I think that would it would that would interfere. There'd be too many sounds obstructing my field recordings. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say like. Don't, don't don't the field recordings? I mean, the sh- being in the shower is already kind of like yeah, being in a field true, recording. True. Wait, so field it's, recordings of what? Ah, uh, like swamps, swamps. jungles, <laughs> oceans. Is that, are you just like searching for random things on YouTube? Or I mean, I have the it? whole like environments series at home. I mm. listen to those daily. Okay, those are always kind of on. See that that feels redundant to me when you're in a shower. <laughs> Do you have like frogs and alligators in your shower? <laughs> well (laughs) so no it's not redundant you're just like adding i'm just adding i mean it's yeah i'm taking a shower in the jungle (laughs) i'm taking a shower by the seaside i'm taking a shower you know so this is this is why you start your day in darkness to prime yourself for your hollow deck immersion (laughs) that's true yeah it is but also total sensory plunging myself into uh a new environment you know how you like if you take the train in rush hour in the morning at like 7.30, everyone is like completely quiet. Yeah. And it's so beautiful because the train is always packed. And it's like that sort of thing where you're in the darkness still. Cause, yeah, yeah. So it, it sort of works. Right, everyone's still just kind of in their own like... <laughs> yeah, in their zone. In their own just kind it's of so like... so peaceful. <laughs> it is very peaceful, yeah. yeah. I never take the train at 7.30 in the morning. The it's train very at the, intimate. Yeah, the train at the end... Yeah, you're right. It's very intimate. And the train at the end of the day, everyone's very like standoffish, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're totally right. In the beginning of the day, everyone's just kind of like, "What? Okay, fine." <laughs> yes. Do you feel like people have gotten worse at riding the train? Yeah. Like this is something that Katie and I talk about a lot, but like in the last like in the last like six seven years, like 
people just don't understand kind of basic train etiquette. Like you, you hop all you, like you step onto a crowded car and then you, they just stop. Yeah. Instead of like, you know, like you gotta, you gotta move in. You're, you're blocking want, the doorway. Like, yeah, I agree. I don't want the podcast to turn into a bad comedy routine. About, <laughs> about these people that won't move in. No, but like take off this, your This is not backpack. a joke. This is not a joke. No, yeah, but uh, the backpack. Backpack. Oh my God. Have you ever like, like ha- has anyone ever like bumped into you with your backpack and you purposely push them a little bit? <laughs> like, fuck you. <laughs> Katie certainly has done that. <laughs> I think people have gotten like physically worse. At what- like I've noticed more people like falling over when the train starts. You know, like people have gotten physically just bad, but I also- They don't, they don't have their subway legs yet. <laughs> yeah, but I also did just move back to Manhattan. So it's also more tourists. Yeah, yeah. Um, And the service is also just- gotten so much worse that like there's more just kind of like screeching halts on the train than i remember from when i was younger do you ever listen to uh subway field recordings no but i'd like to make some but i don't think i would make them on the a lot of them. do you i don't know i must be one of those people i must be one of those people that just records them I don't know. Oh, you oh, you, you your, your own personal ones. Yes. Do you ever pull your like recorder out to record like that nice screech for like ten for like a minute as you pull into decalb? Av? True. I didn't have a track planned for today, but now I have one. Okay. The screech. Scudonomics is a uh, uh, Eurostar from a seven-inch on Machine and Bow. It's a breakcore record built around a, like a very very noisy breakcore record built around recordings of of the Eurostar. So, we have a guest here tonight. Her name is Sana. So, we have a guest here tonight. We have a guest here tonight. I'm loving it, Rochelle. Rochelle's taking over hosting duties for this one. She's a woman who's a quite mysterious one. Her name is Sana. The first thing that I'm most interested about is you're leading the... (laughs) The whole field of the YouTube comment world. I don't know what, so what has, this is about. <laughs> so let Sean know what the YouTube comment thing and how you're. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm actually. Uh, that's one thing. thing. Besides, so you know how you don't listen. So I'm like the kind of person who gets a lot of anxiety from, for example, like taking a break from music. So I'll take a break from music for like, or just taking a break from listening to music on my way to the train. Like taking the train to work. Like that's like, for me, that's a ritual, you know, like walking the same. Like I really like waking up in the morning, taking a shower and going to work. I actually, that's like, I value that. I value like stability and routines. And so routines are especially beautiful to me when I can tweak something. And usually the thing I tweak is music. So like I'll, every day this, this ritual is a little bit different depending on what kind of music I play. Mm-hmm. And so even when I move apartment or something, it's a very painful experience because I'm like, fuck, like I love walking to work, taking the M train um, to Manhattan through the Williamsburg Bridge, you know. So another thing that gives me anxiety. So I like, I collect YouTube comments. Um, so it can be like really funny things that people... I usually, when I find a song or a video I really like, I like to read all the comments or just like scroll through them and see like which ones I find funny. So um, it might be like, it might be somebody like sharing something really personal. Like, oh, when I first heard this, 
I was like proposing to my wife. Well, and now we have five children. By collect, do you mean you like, <clears throat> do you like screen cap these and catalog them? Yeah. And you have them like organized? Well, I know. I just have them in a folder. Okay, okay. Um, but she's recently, which we, not everyone might know, she's been acting as a journalist in this regard. And um, she's been using her researches on YouTube to bring forth like weird people out of the woodwork. <laughs> she's just like, yeah, appreciating their writing and commenting on it. So honestly, I, I did this twice. And then I stopped doing it, but I hope that I will do it more. Um, but I did it for Love Injection twice. And once it was like, um, one of them was really cool. It was a comment by Sanra uh, Orchestra Official. Oh, it was Jackie McLean on Mars. There's this documentary from 1978, 79. It's about Jackie McLean. It's like Jackie McLean as a teacher. It's like a portrait of him as a teacher. And the comment is by Sanra, because he talks about Sanra in this documentary. And so Sanra Orchestra replies, and they say, the truth speaks for itself through we, the artist. Jackie was a close friend and brother to me. Importantly, his complimentary reference to Sanra brought tears to my eyes. What a great documentary for those who hear, listen, and seek the truth. It's pretty cool, you know, to like find these things, you know, in the comment field and be like, okay. that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that's super cool. <clears throat> so I have a bunch of like really strange <laughs> comments like that that I've saved. And it's really unfortunate that I haven't like continued with this. Um, I mean, I hope I'll do more and they really liked it and they want me to do more. But it's like, you know, it's, it's difficult to be putting yourself out there, to be honest for me. I don't know. Because I'm already doing that as a DJ and I'm like, also, like, it, creative work, it's it's a lot of creative labor, you know. It's and it's pri it's very private. Stop complaining about it. Stop complaining. Get back to work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the archive exists. And I, in the beginning, I was thinking about just doing, like, a, like a Tumblr or something like that and just post the comments. So it might take a different format soon if... if since this one like was a bit laborious yeah have you investigated uh frankie bones comments on discogs <laughs> that's no. where you collect right <laughs> <laughs> i mean they're they're all right there you don't even need to collect them but they're they're really worth they're really worth looking into we've talked about them on the show a little bit yeah previously with uh anthony yeah the rex and effect uh or sorry success and effect so it's funny because um, I planned what my third column was going to be about, but and it was going to be about something really major that happened in my life because of a YouTube comment, <laughs> and and I never did it. But I mean, hopefully, I will write this someday. But um, so I I wrote this YouTube comment on I I used to play guitar when I was like a kid when I was eleven years old. Up until like up until I was nineteen, actually, for a long time, and uh, YouTube was really big on. It was a big, like, platform for me to like help me develop my skills because I never had a teacher, and it was very like, yeah, just looking at tabs online and <clears throat> YouTube tutorials, and then there was this one guy uh, who lives in Mexico, 
called Fishan Elmar. That was his <laughs> uh, YouTube name. Um, and he made like these covers. He would like make like uh, covers of Nirvana and uh, The Doors and The Beatles and all three. Actually, like I think The Doors and Nirvana. No, no, The Doors and Beatles are extremely big in Mexico, where he's from. Um, especially like cover bands are big there. And he was like, there was this one. I like, should get into Mexican Doors cover bands. <laughs> I love music. He's been on TV. He's been there on we TV. go. Like he's been on TV so many times with his like Doors cover band. He's he's massive. That's sick. Um, but yeah, I left a comment when I was like twelve. I don't know between eleven and fourteen on his YouTube channel. I left a comment saying I wish we were friends or something like that, and he replied, and we became friends. And um, I'm twenty six now, and like. This last December, I went to visit him in Mexico. <laughs> and it was such a crazy, like, you know, like this, like, sincere internet friendship started from this comment. And this video is, like, still, like, it's, I think it's a, um, it's a cover of, like, In Bloom. Like, And it's fucking amazing. It's like, I still watch it and I'm like, this is mind blowing. Like, it's crazy. I mean, but like, of course he wasn't the person on the video when I met him, you know, it was still a random person from the internet that I met. <laughs> like, and this fantasy that I had in my head was a fantasy and which is always the case when you meet, but it was a crazy reason to go to Mexico. I really enjoyed it. That's awesome. Damn. Well, like they say, always read the comments. <laughs> <laughs> and like take them seriously if somebody wants to be friends with you you know go you should and definitely do that definitely <laughs> they might visit you <laughs> like yeah many many years later so sean maybe you should listen to music on youtube <laughs> maybe that's your problem is you're listening to it with the wrong medium maybe you should just listen to music on youtube youtube only i guess so and read all the that. comments, respond, active, be active in the you know, yeah. in the community yeah. of because I know what you're going to listen to. It's going to be Mexican doors cover bands. Well, it's going to be that and just more Baldelli mixes. That's so. I mean I do listen to Baldelli mixes on YouTube often. Oh, okay. Then what's the problem here? Just, there's no problem. So why are you listening to music? Katie usually has music going, so I kind of listen to whatever Katie puts on. Oh, I have a no. good comment here on my phone. So sometimes I just take screenshot and try to like follow them later. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Do you know what, the, what was the video? I could probably find it really quickly, but the comment is from Frequency, but with a PH. I remember walking from school with a Sony Walkman banging this in the 80s. Then I'd go home and play the record. I just thought that was so cute. I don't know. I really liked it. That's that passion for music, though. Yeah. And there's yeah. a lot of it on YouTube comments. There is. There is. And it's real. Like, yeah, I remember yeah. doing that. And I've, a lot of people like us remember doing that. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I think in my case, it was a disc man instead of a walk man. But yeah. I had a disc man several times. But I had it like my, my first years in New York, I, I had an iPod. Or I, iPod. That's what they were called. That's what they were. If, if saying that word sounds like I'm saying the wrong word. You didn't have a Zune? 
iPod. You probably had a you probably had a Zoom. Uh, no, I never had a Zoom. I mean, I did have a Zoom later, but um, Zoom. Oh, Zoom. No, I don't even know what a Zoom is. The Microsoft iPod. Oh no, 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 no! I had an iPod, and it was like two hundred. Was it like your sixty-four gigabytes or something? And it cost like sixteen, probably sixteen gigabytes, and it cost like you know a lot of money, three hundred dollars or yeah. something. And it broke, and Apple wouldn't repair it. Oh, I, so then I just was like, "Fuck it!" Well, I'll just sell, I'm I'm just gonna rock the disc, man, and I would make myself mix CDs that were like, you know. I I know what where the comment was from. I'm pretty sure it was like from like Art of Noise, moments in life, which makes so that's, much sense. That's a heck of a yeah. song. Yeah. yeah, it makes sense that you would listen to it on your Walkman and go home and listen to it. Um, but yeah, I remember I had a Discman Sport. It was white and orange, Ooh. and it had a little. You held it with a strap, and your thumb would operate the like forward, backward, you know, yeah, yeah, pause yeah. button. It was real smooth, and I, well, okay, I didn't put it through any sport activities, um, <laughs> but it didn't skip, or rarely skipped. I don't know, but. The Iron Maiden catalog got a lot of, oh, yeah. got real worn out on that. On that, Iron Maiden is a great band. They were my first concert. You didn't go recently, right? They played. I at, really at wanted to. I was talking. I to really you. should have. I don't know why I didn't. Who was that? Oh my god! I still love Iron Maiden. I mean, yeah. I was I talking would to totally someone go see them. who went, and they said it was like the best show they've ever been to. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they got it for free. Oh my god! Why can't I remember who it was? But like, yeah, they, they, like, they, they, like I said, they were my first concert, and like. Been downhill ever since, man. It's all I mean, downhill like, after that. Showmanship, <laughs> right. uh, pure joy. I mean, I saw them when I was thirteen. Badass tunes, fireworks, uh, stage direction, uh, crowd. You know, right, right. Because like the crowd was, uh, you know, eighty percent like fifty-year-old metalheads <laughs> who like look intense but are really nice. The right, sweetest right, people. Right. Yeah, yeah, you're like shit, man. Like this rules. Like concerts are sick. <laughs> found my people <laughs> yeah now i go to like clubs where everyone has a fucking attitude that's <laughs> true <laughs> my second concert was Bauhaus. you got good that's insane concerts. wait i i have, yeah, I have a good, good first concert good first concert i always brag about yours? my first concert what was yeah, your first I, concert I clearly so do i what was yours? <laughs> my first concert was sonic cues oh yeah that's, that's good it's pretty good that's good <laughs> yeah rochelle what was your first concert The local band doesn't count, obviously. The local band does not count. No, it does not. What's yours? I'm trying to think of what the the first was. Definitely, like, I think the first, like, concert that I went to that I wanted to go to, and we drove to, uh, we drove to St. Louis. It was uh, the the Atari Teens Riot, Wu-Tang, and Rage Against the Machine. Damn. I mean, that's a good... That's, and, that's pretty good. And Wu-Tang didn't show up. <laughs> okay. That sounds about right, yeah. <laughs> and I was there for Atari Teenage Riot. And there was no one in the audience there for Atari Teenage Riot. <laughs> and then Rage went on and the, the stadium was then fully packed. And 
Rage was much better than Atari Teenage Riot Live. Okay. I, I Probably liked, not surprising. I liked them. Rage pretty good. When I was a kid. I mean, there were so many worse, more popular bands. They were great. Yeah, what's 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 there to hate? Yeah, never mind. I don't know why I said yeah, they're fine. No, they're 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 kinda sick. They're very yeah. cheesy though. They're a little but cheesy. They're, but they're they're like that's that kinda, though. That's the that's it's the kinda thing. good when you're no. that when you're like young, you know? Like No, it's sick. Yeah. They they like yeah. they, they shout leftist platitudes and and, and, and yeah. all their songs sound the same. It's great. What more could you ask for? Yeah, it's yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like that. Yeah. Um, now I'm just doing Beastie Boys, actually, which was I. I also saw the Beastie Boys around the same time. I saw Wu Tang. How was it? <laughs> I didn't get to see them. <laughs> I mean, I saw them way later. It was fine. That's weird. You know, it's a bad show if Wu Tang shows up for it. True. Yeah. So you had a good experience. <laughs> you weren't there to see them anyway. You were there to see the third headliner. Yes, that's the story Actually, of my life. I lied and I feel bad about it, so I'm just going to explain it now. I didn't lie, I just forgot. But the first show I ever saw was not Sonic Youth. It was um, this like Iraqi singer called Kadam Al-Sahar. And he's actually the most famous singer from Iraq. He's like a really famous pop star. And my brother got to meet him afterwards. That's pretty backstage. sick. Yeah. And I was really young and my brother is nine years older than me, so... Maybe he was a teenager. I mean, if if any Arab is listening to this, they would know who Kadam Asahar is. He's extremely famous. Yeah. So two good first concerts. It was so strange because when I, when I first went to that Sonic Youth concert, I didn't know what a mosh pit was because I was so young. And I was right. like, what the fuck? And I was like right in front, like right in the middle of it, getting pushed around. It was really funny. Um, that yeah. sounds sweet. Yeah. I haven't seen a mosh pit in a minute. They still happen, right? They still happen. Can, kids still mosh? I can... I mean, adults still mosh. <laughs> <laughs> no one under 30 moshes kids. anymore. Uh, no, kids under 30 mosh. Right. Yeah. You go to metal shows, you see people mosh. I say that like I go to a lot of metal shows, but I have been to a couple metal shows somewhat recently, and people are still moshing. It's good. It's nice. And they're still very nice. They still, like, go up to everyone after the mosh pit and like, hey, sorry I bumped into you. That was kind of uncool. <laughs> oh my God. Did they, did they do that? I've never seen that before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're like, like, or like when they accidentally bump, or when they like, when they like bump into each other and like, uh, isn't the point? Like, well, but like in, in a way in that's unison. clearly, you know, like there's a way that you're supposed to, <laughs> like, like it's choreographed. <laughs> yeah, it is choreographed in a way. There's like very clear, let's all rules. jump to the right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they like kind of under, there's like an unspoken language, it seems to me, you know? BCB, and your yeah, first stop for I mosh pit did. etiquette. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come here for the mosh report every every week. <laughs> we we should, you guys should get somebody who's really like, part, like his, his role in the music scene is to actually participate in mosh pits. Yeah, we should. We yeah. definitely need some. Some more metalheads. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and yeah, as Samir mentioned there. Politics can sometimes be much better than those in. Oh, definitely. Dance music. So. <clears throat> yeah, dance music is like. No, I don't. I can't really like. I I love dance music people, but they can't really be my real friends. Ooh. I don't know. I feel like. <laughs> I feel like yeah, like a punk would do a much better job. Or, yeah, yeah. Of or an anarchist yeah. or whatever. Right, know? right, right. Is it? 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess there really is something to the, you know, I mean, politics are something that are kind of new to, to dance music. Um, at least, you know, kind of a Eurocentric mainstream underground uh, modern club culture. Well, yeah. I mean, our whole, the whole conceit of the show is that it's like presents itself as a sort of politics less space. Yeah. Um, which sucks. But I mean, but we've also made the point that politics is more involved in dance music than people like to think, right? I mean, certainly historically. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> right. It's funny that you like you're in the in the US and you're still talking about Eurocentrism when it's like you're still in the West. Right. You know, so you're right. still Eurocentric yeah. as yeah. being part of America. Of course, yeah. I mean yeah. America is a Eurocentric. Like imagine colony. being in like just outside of the West. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's funny that how centered the West is, whereas even like in America you feel like you're outside of it in a way. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like a super. I don't know. It's like it's. I guess it's just so deeply ingrained. I guess globally, right? I mean, um, but especially here, I don't know. I feel like America's always feeling like it needs to prove something. Yeah, to uh, Europe. Or, I don't know. I mean, it's it's strange just being from the outside of all of this and watching how. Like how like Americans talk about the music that they invented being perceived in Europe and how because they have more money there or yeah, I don't know. But like think about it, like I know people making like electronic music like in outside of the West, you know, and mm. what is their relationship right, to I this mean, music and to how it's perceived here, how it's perceived back home. Right. Um, or do they even care how it's perceived? Definitely. Outside of, they yeah. Always, who, who wouldn't care? I mean, right. like, why would you... Well, so, I mean, like your some, music is being perceived some... I mean, the people are listening to it. Yeah. You're going to care sure, about what yeah, they you, think about it. Yeah, know? yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. But maybe not, like, how much you care about, like, what kind of role it plays in, like, the market or something, you know? No, you, yeah, the thing is, it's, like, it's funny because they do care and it's... And it's like because that that music that that is it's it's fetishized a lot, you know, and that's something they always observe. I think like how mm-hmm. how they're being fetishized, how they fetishize themselves, and um, I think it's a massive problem, and that's all they think about. To be honest, as uh-huh. like Interesting. creative people, like it's like the first thing you think about as an Arab. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a sort of like orientalist. Like, yeah, how are they going to yeah, orientalize right. me? Where are they going to ca- categorize me? Are they booking me because I'm female? Are they booking me because I'm black? Are they booking me because I'm Arab? Mm-hmm, like, right. does this person even know what I'm doing? Right. Like, how That's much the does... the first thing you think about, I think, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, the question yeah. of like, how much is my... How much is my music being perceived for the music and how much is being perceived from like for like either my biography and i'm doing that in air quotes or like this other person's perception of who i must be uh yeah or how much how much do they are they interested in my music because they can like place it to a certain location right you right. know and fetishize that location and it's like yeah, I mean, can they're, they they're, hear where they're capitalizing the music they're capitalizing on your brand yeah. right, and, and right your identity is part of your brand yeah it's it's very strange because there's like because it gets like so complicated since um, people 
orientalize themselves because they think that will like monetize you know and because you have like the center is europe as we're talking here like right. even like for americans sometimes america doesn't feel like the center so the center is europe everyone outside their options are very limited and if you fetishize yourself and there is certain instruments you can use like like you can like instrumentalize your origins politicize it and use that as a way to come to the center when you're in the center then you can make music about whatever you want but they have to find a way to make you interesting like yeah, you can't just make there, yeah. random music <laughs> right it's maybe like- maybe if you make random music then maybe you are dead and then that's the thing that they will catch on like okay this guy made weird music back in the 70s right, right. Yeah. now it's interesting to us right well, yeah like a, like a, like you know? Unfortunately, like you know, even like anonymity is a brand now. People, yeah, like, exactly. Like you know, like deliberately, deliberately, who no one knows who this yeah. is. Right. Obscurity. That's so exciting. But like, there is like people who are doing this right now who are just as obscure because we don't give a fuck about what they're right, doing. Right. Right. right, right. You know. <laughs> but there's definitely people making music everywhere, yeah. and we well, can give them an. That one. You know. <laughs> but but kind of also along the lines of what you're saying is like uh, there's also so often the idea that like uh, let's say you're you know let's say you're Palestinian or something if you're making music it must be about being Palestinian like <laughs> right, you right. as a person can't make music about anything like yeah. it's all like the view is like immediately put on your shoulders that like you just by being uh, you know Palestinian or being African American or any sort of right. group like the assumption is like, well, your music is political about this one thing. Mm-hmm. And it can't just be like, uh, well, my music is about like whatever, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, that sort of. But whatever can also be, pol- I mean, they can. Yeah, of course it can be political. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And let them like, yeah, it's. it's let them it's, just be artists, like, you know, do yeah, what they want to like, do. Like yeah. we're here, you know, doing our thing, you know, just let them do that. Like give everyone a break. It's <laughs> like, I don't know. It's so intense. Like, you always have to be branded. So that's the thing, you know. Do they give a fuck? Everyone gives a fuck because you're always thinking about this. Right. Yeah. I think think the first step is just stop caring about it because none of this is going to provide anyone a real living anyway. (laughs) Honestly, it's really sad. But to be honest, I also thought about why am I being invited to this podcast? I think about this every time I get booked, every time I get a job, every time I get any kind of opportunity, I'm I'm questioning, is it because I'm an Iraqi female? Mm -hmm. This is just the truth of being, you know, um, an outsider. Right. You always think that people are fetishizing you. They might not be, but they might be. How will you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know if, I don't know what like the, I mean, like we're saying, I guess you could try to just treat people and artists as people and artists. But yeah. For some reason that seems difficult. Right. I mean, because everything's so, I mean, is this a consequence of everything becoming more brand driven? Yeah, like, is that a part of it? You know that like everything has to be, everything has to have a story and a brand and everything behind it. I think on social media, makes it even harder to just like be an artist who does like their thing. Like, oh no, now it has to be this thing that is like 
that has a hook or something that's yeah. like we're conditioned we're conditioned to to relate to each other as brands and to present ourselves as brands absolutely right. um, because that's that's the language of, of of the medium right yeah and so especially if you're like outside of I don't know the metropole if you're outside of like you know what outside of Europe you know like largely what you know the sort of press or whatever thinks of itself as like the the hub of everything then yeah you're like immediately thrown into this i don't know into this position i mean i can't really speak on it so but you want to talk about eflux sana should we take a cigarette break first we could take a cigarette yes. break it is getting hot <laughs> it is hot <laughs> folks we're taking a break <laughs> Twists and turns. Twists and turns. I mean, every week it's another new adventure. Yeah, what would what would life or podcasting be without you know? I mean, this is like smoking is bad for you. Yeah, yeah smoke is bad for you. Sometimes you go out to, for a smoke break and you come back and there's no SD card or recorder. This actually happened. Like we yeah, 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 we no, went no. for a cigarette. We came back and everything was gone. It's it's hard to convey the mystery and magic. Just the sort of confusion, the confused state we're all in. All I'm all I'm saying is, get your, get yourself a producer who loses a recorder after the episode. That's that's the sort of professional. It's good. This is you know. You think you're gonna get this on uh, the RE Exchange? You think they lose the recorder halfway through the episode? No. All right. This is real. This is on the ground, uh, you know, DIY. DIY, exactly. (laughs) Anyway, what were we going to talk about? I think we're going to talk about some music. Are we going to talk about music? I I think so. Hell yeah. Let's talk about music. Um, Do you want to hear something that I brought? Yes, Sana. Okay. What do you want to talk about? So we we've been talking a lot about these fillers, like where you what do you do with your time when you're not listening to music and and one thing I do is listen to a lot of poetry, which is still listening and still it can still be like very rhythmic. Um and of course poetry is used in music all the time. Um and it's like an essential part of music and and the same goes for poetry, where rhythm is is used within poetry. Um, but yeah, this is... So I listen to a lot of poetry when I don't want to listen... When I want to escape music and just like take that uh, break and sort of filter filter my mind and just... Yeah, um, so we can... We're going to listen to a recording that I really love. Um, it's by Pedro Pietri and he reads his poem at um, the Poetry Projects. I'm not sure when this recording is from. I, I guess it's some from the 80s at some point. Pedro Pietri is a New American poet. Um, he started the New American Poets Cafe in Manhattan. Um, and this poem is called Who Will Want You? And you can find it on YouTube. Um, there is even a video where you can watch him read it many, many times before, and every time I read it, I say this will be the last time that I'm going to read it. So this will be the last time I'm going to read it. It's entitled, Who Will Want You? Uh, this is the way it goes. 
When the doors of spring have closed and your sex appeal has froze and your heart starts beating slow and the wind knocks you down when it blows and the years that come and go find you hanging out in X-rated picture shows who will want you. You were proud making the scene when your eyes were young and green, looking good and looking clean, modeling for magazines, men treated you like a queen. You had it made so it seemed, but when it's too late for Listerine, who will want you? When you can no longer comb your hair because there is nothing there for the comb to get somewhere and it really hurts to stare at yourself minus your hair totally disgusted with the air that will inherit your underwears who will want you? Start getting prepared for a long nightmare Do not bleach your hair, no one really cares You who look so well, now you dress like hell It's too late to sell that body that smells Trying to make it big, you became a pig It's too late for wigs, your grave you must dig Every now and then you might meet again With a long lost friend who will give you ten But that will not do a goddamn I mean, poetry can be extremely musical i mean it is musical for me you know yeah to me yeah yeah the funny thing is the the, and the thing that i like about poetry and i do not uh listen to or or read nearly as much poetry as i should but um and something we've talked about a bit on the show before is you know one of the things I really love about music is how not semantic it is, is how much uh, meaning and significance and like ideas it can uh, transmit without words. Um, and the nice thing about poetry is it kind of like, even though it is semantic, it also, especially like here and something spoken, it does kind of use rhythm and yeah. all these other things to like maybe tra like transmit ideas that like subvert the actual words or you know it's very like playful in a way definitely especially especially his poet poetry i feel like um i mean he's so animated you know yeah yeah when when was that recorded we just watched the the live <laughs> clip um um, I want to say it I'm, looks like it's like late 80s yeah i think right, so I, I mean i i'm pretty sure he passed away and uh, early 90s but let me check I think this was late recording oh he passed away in 2004 so I actually kind of have he's 444 I think this was this was in the late 80s early 90s but yeah um the yeah, clip is the clip is really great because it also just really captures the scene too yeah it's, yeah, very, it's yeah. very strange that this clip you know it's it has how many views does it have? It has very little views. Like people, it has eighty-four views. Like when I, first, <laughs> they're all you. When, this is half of them are me. When I first found this, it had like twelve view, views or something, and I only are there found any good this. Comments on it? <clears throat> There's no comments. <clears throat> Damn. Get, only, get started. So, I found this because I did a class at the poetry projects, and they had this recording of the same thing. Uh, exactly the same recording they had um, and they didn't know that there was a video like you know the, this is just somebody from the audience taking this video yeah um, so I heard this and I was really trying I really fell in love with this poem through the audio and I was trying to find it but all I could find was this recording I even I 
bought like a bunch of his books. I never found it written down. I only found this recording. Wow. Yeah. But he's, yeah, he's he's really great with that thing where um, the poem just doesn't, it sounds completely different when he starts reading it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like you can read it and you can read it several times. You may find it funny. You may, f- like, you'll find a lot of meaning in it. But then the moment you hear him read it, it will become a completely new poem. Mm-hmm. Have you heard other versions of him reading it? or So not this poem, but there was another <laughs> one called... Um, oh, so it's like called like a Spanglish, Spanglish National Anthem. So a part of it is, goes like, I know, I know, I know, I'll miss Puerto Rico and so and so and so. I'll live in El Barrio, and when I hit the numbers, I return to San Juan for the price of pan until my life is done. So this is how I read it. And then I was like, this must be like, you know, this is such a catchy poem. I could just start. I mean, I had the book, and I was like, I need to know how he did this poem. And when I heard it, I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing because he's he's reading it like as if it was a song. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're going to hear it now. In my viejo San Juan, they raised the price of fun. So I fly to Manhattan. It was there that I swear everyone took welfare, especially the Latins. To a barrio I went in pursuit of the wreck. In the five room apartment, where my neighbors will be, Puerto Ricans like me, dressed in tropical garments. I know, I know, I know. Oh, you people know about that. <laughs> okay, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, I think you get the idea. It's just like crazy, you know. It's just so different from whatever I thought. Right was. from what you read on the. On I mean, the paper. when I when I first saw it, I was still like, "Oh, you," because it it has all these Spanish words. I mean, it begins with a line in Spanish, and I I don't even know what this means, you know. So I actually got one of my first time I I fully got to hear this poem. I actually had to have one of my friends who is who speaks Spanish to read it to me because. I don't even know how to say these words, you know, so that was the first step. And then I got a little bit more confidence and like tried to like just say the words. But yeah, I would have never known that it was like, not not like, I know, I know, I know, but more like, I know, I know, I know, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. Is that like a, I mean, and is that like a reference to some song that, is it like a reference to like a Puerto Rican song Maybe. or something? Because it seems yeah. like the first time he read it, like... The crowd knew it, and it wasn't clear if, like, it was a play on, like, a famous Puerto Rican song, maybe, that, like, you know, or Puerto just maybe would know, his, or... Yeah, or just maybe I, this poem was just yeah, yeah, really yeah. big, you know? Right, yeah, I just have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it's really touching. I don't know, it's like, this, this kind of brings me as much joy as listening to music, though, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it, it is... Very, I think it just is music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? It, it really starts to question what yeah. the what? difference is, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that was sort of part of the, like, the New Yorkian scene 
mm-hmm. um, was to explicitly highlight poetry as performance. Yeah. Um, it's not something that I'm super well versed in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I'm not, I'm definitely not, definitely like an amateur that's just like trying to like go through life and like trying to find whatever music and whatever poetry can help me do that, you know? Right. Yeah. 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 Not, not well versed at all. Um, but I think, yeah, I think, I think the, that we should maybe like, be like immersing ourselves in more poetry. I mean, in, in dance music, I feel like that's not really a thing. Like, maybe no. like in the jazz scene, it's more a thing, but really not so much in the music in the dance music scene. I guess it's hard to say. I mean, I guess music. Bobby Condor's the poem. That's true. That's true. I think I think house music certainly has. Though I, uh, I think that episode never actually made it to air. <laughs> that's right. It didn't. <laughs> Shit, we got to record another Bobby Condor's episode. But yeah, I mean, you know. I feel like music is always this sort of, you know, there's like a lot of sort of continuums in music. And one of them is that between like music that has like words and semantic meaning and the other that has like no meaning and is purely abstract. Um, Yeah. And things like this lie on such like a nice sort of, I mean, it's so, it's so clearly musical. Yeah. Um, And it also... But it has like a nice other dimension to mm-hmm. it, you know. I like too how just also it's very, uh, it's very approachable. Like like, yeah. you know, so much poetry can be built around kind of layers of obfuscation and sort of arcane references, and this is just like words yeah. put together to convey meaning very directly, yeah. very, you know, catchily. Yeah. Um, my my also completely un. Uh, completely amateur, completely outsidery, like mm-hmm. view is yeah that it, that like that was a thing of the New Yorkian because any because I I have uh, there has been a lot of poetry most poetry I've encountered in my life has been just a bit like, uh, but but the first time I like saw like New Yorkian poetry mm-hmm. and went to like the New Yorkian Poets Cafe I was like oh like this is immediately something I like mm-hmm. enjoy. There's I'm. I can tell you from somebody who mostly listened to this kind of poetry that it's it's not just new. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. not. There is a lot of poetry that's yeah, like yeah. very direct. There's but, also a lot of poetry, of course, that like strives to completely collapse semantic meaning too. Okay. <clears throat> as there far is, as like the, the, the like the polar opposite mm-hmm. of that. Um, there is so much also like new stuff that is just like even more straightforward than this you mm-hmm. know um, yeah it's just something i'm like woefully ignorant of and would yeah. and should i don't know i think experience uh, it's, more, but. but the whole point w- with this is is not really what what is this poem about but what is the ex- because we're talking about listening to music in the shower listening to music walking to work just like this experience of listening to music or instead making food or, you know, like mm-hmm. how do we escape music but still have it? You know, sometimes when I um, take a break, it might just mean that I will listen to this or I will listen to like podcasts or something right. else that, that, you know, still brings me life. And this definitely does, you know? Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, there's so much poetry on vinyl too. You know, it's not poetry right. is treated like music mm-hmm. in many cases. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of like famous like Allen Ginsberg um, records 
yeah. on vinyl. Mm-hmm. But we can listen to some other things if you still. Yeah. Sick. Yeah. Yeah. Are you still? Are you still? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Always. Always. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> no, we should. Okay. I am a pharaoh. 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 So tell me a little bit about Rosma. Yeah, I'm just gonna read a little bit from the um, description they put on Bandcamp because um, I think it's it's really like fas- fascinating and well written. Um, so it says Rosma is a fictional character; has only existed on stage, videos, and space. Rosma was lost in space, in time and space, seven thousand years ago, and has now returned to Earth to find that King Tutankhamun mask, which during his time on Earth was the greatest work of art and engineering, is now devalued to one pound coins that have been recently devalued to 40% less of their actual worth. For Rosma coming back to Earth, and especially to Egypt, is a bit of an awkward situation. Since the last time he was on Earth, Egypt was the most advanced civilization on the face of the planet. In a desperate attempt to trace origin, Rosma strips away the Tutankhamun print from the one po- or from the one pound coin, trying to find proof of the existence of an heir to which modern society, technology, and engineering owe their existence. Um, yeah, I think I think this is such a great record, and also, um, you know concept because it's like egyptian drexia it is egyptian drexia oh it's the original it's like this guy is actually egyptian and he is coming he's merging space and time yeah and coming back to be like post post revolution like what the fuck is going on like you know, post-revolution is a very sensitive time for a place like Egypt where that holds so much of this like ancient artifacts that we've been seeing destroyed yeah. and like it's like so symbolic that this this uh yeah, this like bizarre this bizarre situation of like merging of time and space is actually happening like for example in Iraq where like um recently you know, we we've seen like ancient ar- artifacts being destroyed for absolutely no reason, but for their strange, like strangely, what they these people claim that they symbolize. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's pretty cool that you know this music is is created um, and through. I mean, I'm reading a lot into it, and I'm not sure that the the artist. I think the artist did intend for us to read a lot into it. Otherwise, he wouldn't yeah, be putting a right, definitely like this. But, you know, I think the 
crazy use of auto tune and a lot. I mean, in this in this whole record, you know, I just showed you one track, but um, the auto auto tune is 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 already bizarre, you know, in a way, and um, it's like this oversaturation of everything in this music. Um, so like it's so heavy on symbolism and it like makes a lot of things collide and sound. I think, yeah, I mean, also not just talking about like, I don't know, destruction of objects and things, but also like just the wholesale like stealing of them, you know, like clearly talking about like British uh, occupation and things like that. Um, it's super fascinating to me and it seems like there's like so much... I don't know, interesting stuff going on in Egypt right now. There's def definitely, I think Like a lot a, of young artists, like, just doing whatever. I think, um, yeah, I, I guess that after the revolution, there, there's just been, like, a bigger, like, underground scene. Mm -hmm. There's a extremely strong scene in Ramallah as well. Right. With, like, Mokata, who... You're you're also familiar with, right? Mm -hmm. Wait, how are you familiar with him? Oh, just through, just through the music. I mean, I feel like his music gets around. Okay, I'm not familiar with him. It's um, like a kind of like weird hip hop, kind of like bizarro. It's like sam like he like samples field recordings, sort of like of the city, mm -hmm. and um, puts that into his music. Um, yeah, it's a, it's it's weird because that there's there's a lot coming out of there, and um, recently there's been like a boiler room that happened. Right, in there was the one in Ramallah. Yeah, did you watch it? I did. Yeah, and there was a documentary about it too. And I think we've kind of wrestled with these things about like why is the boiler room in Ramallah so like well known? You know, like. What's the underlying thing going on there, you know, um, between like the boiler room make like getting a lot of views and like thing, you know, uh, sort of attention um, to this and how much of that flows to like the Palestinian artists that they're featuring, how much of it, you know, goes back into that scene, how much of it is just kind of like, I mean, just to be like totally frank, like how much of it is very like Vice style, kind of like, ooh, we did a boiler room in in Palestine, yeah, cultural tourism, yeah, yeah. and expectation, um, yeah. <clears throat> well, which, yeah, I mean, that's just like a question that we've kind of tried. I don't know. To, who did you? Who did you try to talk about this with? Uh, just ourselves. Okay. <laughs> um, I feel like it's come up anytime we've talked about boiler. It's come up anytime like, we like talked about Cindy boiler room. And, yeah, with Cindy you know. and with. Uh, talk about with Selwa? I don't know. We didn't talk about with Samir. No. Um, Selwa's not big on Boiler Room. <laughs> no. I mean, no one is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, just kind of like the question of, I mean, because, you know, it's just, there's always these questions, especially with uh, a group like that of, um, you know, exploitation of artists just in general. And then, yeah. Um, yeah when, then it becomes multi-layered yeah it becomes multi-layered whenever it's like we did a boiler room in you know wherever um yeah i i mean i don't necessarily yeah I, I don't know if i think the ramallah one has 
from my point of view, I don't think it's done any harm. But oh, I don't. Yeah, I, I mean, know that people from Ramallah might feel differently about it. Um, but it's been like quite interesting. I mean, it ultimately served to give a lot of exposure to these artists. Yeah. So that's the you know. So it's been quite interesting seeing that happen. You know. Right. Yeah. Because it's been like it's like impacted my life mm-hmm. as an Arab. Like I'll be like, like somebody will be hitting me up asking me if I watched it. You know. Okay. Which is kind of strange. Right. But at the same time, it's like interesting. I don't know. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's it's strange. It's. I mean, it's it's like being grateful for like something very small, like getting attention. You know. Right. Yeah. Where it's like, of course, there should be like a lot more coverage. But. Yeah, and I just I don't know. It's just like. Yeah. It's hard to like. It's hard. It's hard because you're like still like so shocked that 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 you're even getting any kind of attention. That you know. But also, like at the end of the day, given that it's a company run by a rich British kid, right? And like Britain is the reason for all the problems in Palestine today. Of course. You know, it's like but one of those things where you have to be like, okay, so like, is this more of the same? Is this different? You know, no, it's, it's, it's just these questions, you know. It's definitely like it's it's definitely nothing. I mean, there is an actual scene there, and you could probably take as do as many boiler rooms there as you were doing. Right, right, exactly. In another city, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, but it's just been a funny experience as somebody who lives here in New York, having their friend be like, "Oh, did you watch right this mm-hmm. thing?" It's just a, it's just an observation, you know. Yeah, okay. it's the it's imperialism, but it's the good kind of imperialism. That's what they always say. No, <laughs> I mean, you're when you live here, it's like your life is just a consequence of like imperialism, right? It's like, yeah. Okay, like my whole existence is the consequence of imperialism, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't really think about it that way, but, but yeah, 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 I agree. Uh, it's just, the, the, the Rosmer track was fantastic though. It's so weird. Um, right. What was the name of the other one you sent as well? Cause the other one was like very psychedelic and maybe that was just me casting here, it's because right the here. video of it was also yeah. very like psychedelic and very kind of like that shaky sort of weird wait i'm um, gonna i'm gonna actually make you listen to a different one cool the the one we just It is like a little cheesy and a little obscene and very weird. And that's what makes it so like engaging. It's It's like all of that. It's like super like approachable in a way, but Mm -hmm. it's also like totally fucked up. Yeah. A little bit of what's going on with with this stuff. Well, again, like with especially with the 
the biography, the first thing I get is, is like this is a, an Egyptian kind of riff on Drexia with the self-mythologizing, the play on history, uh, using that play as a critique, um, uh, all of that. Musically, I get also there's there, there's a bit of kind of Drexia in there very abstractly, but it, there's also some echoes of um, of like DJ Rupture, uh, who we've talked about, I think, a little bit on the podcast. It, definitely a, a favorite of mine and CZ's, um, who was New York artist playing with a lot of, you know, <laughs> at the time world musics playing them with, with like break core and drum and bass and, and old, old, like old Raga jungle being aware of like, uh, how to put it. Stealing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it was it it it, it was done at, like a, it, with it with a degree of kind of auto critique. But yeah, this shit is killer. It's great. Yeah, it's super like weird. It's like very psychedelic about it. Yeah, actually, there is so much music like this. Not not like this necessarily, but there there is like a lot of great music to discover. Um, That's the one thing that keeps. Me going is like every time I feel like I feel like whenever you meet someone who's like, no, I'm good. I finished music. I'm done. Like I found all the music. You're like, I mean, there's there's, so much out there that you just never know happening every day. Yeah, and every time you sometimes can feel yourself being like, oh, another one of these records. Jeez, okay, like you know, this shit's getting old. But then like one day. Mm-hmm. A friend passes you something, or you hear something on the street, and you get this like little thread, mm-hmm. and you start following it, and it just like explodes into For this whole sure. world of new things. And you're like, yeah. "Whoa, I had no idea." Some of those yeah. worlds go back twenty, thirty, forty years, yep. you know, and or like, maybe in this case, seven thousand years, <laughs> yeah, or, or seven thousand, yeah, or they go straight back to Ramses. Who knows? Yes. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, Rosma. what? What do you mean, Ramses? Like the pharaohs, like Ramses the second. Is that what they're called in English? I don't even know. He was just—he was one of uh, the pharaoh. I don't know what. I I I, caught the reference. I don't. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's a you know a kind of like anglicized bastard. Wasn't Ramses the ones that the one that famously had a shitload of kids? I'm sure. I mean, they were pharaohs. They all had a bunch of kids. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? I still think that like. Let's have kids. Let's all have children. <laughs> I I mean, if we all like cooking and we all like listening to music, why aren't we making kids? Like that's definitely the next step. <laughs> uh, I mean, let's let's bring our children into this podcast. <laughs> <clears throat> all right, title of the episode is "Where's Lasagna Night When You Need It." <laughs> <laughs> my my stromboli are my children. Okay. Do we want to have a Do we want to have a a brief uh, a brief interlude? A brief bake camp beta aside. Oh, yeah. So, you know, uh, there were three strombolis that I made. I make stromboli when I want to transport pizza, basically, because it's really hard to move a pizza around. It doesn't last very long. So the stromboli is just basically a rolled calzone. Uh, allegedly, it's a, or apparently, it's a, a, a Philly original. It's certainly not from Stromboli. <laughs> <laughs> um, and as a sort of Philly native, I feel like it's my 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 birthright to claim the Stromboli. Um, 
So yeah, there were there were. Three... I guess you were born in Philly. You, yeah, you yeah, grew I'm... up in Philly. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm a Philly boy, sort of. Um. Yeah, the Stromboli's were uh, one with chicken breast that was roasted in a chipotle mecco uh, rub with cheddar and mozzarella and and house made lacto fermented oh, yes and there 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 was american cheese in that one um just i want to give our listeners the full just to, it, that's that's also a nod to you know the cheese steak in in, in my my so it's a stromboli cheese steak with chicken and and lacto fermented jalapenos yes yeah classic philly food right uh one was uh squash with uh scamorza uh and also with the uh the lacto fermented jalapenos now the 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 chicken was very good but that one was my favorite you always like the veggie strombolis well, that one had more cheese than the others, and better, che- higher quality cheese, which I think I appreciated. Well, the the, the American cheese was only in the uh, the chicken one. I know. Yeah, the other one was good, but that was was the one with the blowout. Yeah, yeah. I like the perfectly formed, lot of good cheese, lots of cheese. What was in the blowout one that was different? <coughs> that was a uh, uh, tomatillo and, uh, and manzano chili salsa. With uh, cheddar and cheddar and, and mozzarella, I think, and it just kind of exploded on you. There was a Stromboli blowout. Yeah, it happened. I watched blowout last weekend uh, for the first time in a while, and I remember that movie being a lot weirder. It's still a great movie. I mean, any movie with John Travolta and a lot of tape decks is gonna. I I only saw it once in college, and I remember it being pretty weird. I mean, yeah, it was weird. I just remember it being... It's his, it's his riff on Blow Up. Yeah, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the basic plot being that the guy is a sound recordist for horror movies, and he goes out one night to record sounds and records, uh, you know, a what he, upon further reflection seems to be a, an assassination. Right. Um, and I just remember it being more like... Uh, some of my favorite conspiracy movies, namely like The Parallax View, uh, The Conversation, Three Days of the Condor, um, movies which are incredibly bleak and very uh, quiet in a way, you know? Just kind of like subtly like they control everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and just ending super bleak. And Blowout was a bit more, I think because it was from the early 80s. Um, it was still like a nice conspiracy movie, but it wasn't as weird as I... Does it end on kind of an upbeat note or something? Or It definitely doesn't end on an upbeat note, but it ends with like a lot of music. I, it, it's not upbeat at all. I should rewatch it. I... It's definitely a great movie. It's worth a rewatch. But I just, I, I definitely like threw it into the into my brain space that's taken up by paranoia right. 70s movies right right which, which are much more paranoid and which are much more par- paranoid and much bleaker i think de palma didn't make sense to me until there was an interview with him around the time that femme fatale came out mm-hmm. and i had seen femme fatale in the theater and thought it was kind of a hoot um and didn't quite get exactly where de palma was 
coming from with it. And in this interview, he described femme fatale as a formal exercise, (laughs) (laughs) which, you know, yeah, De Palma's very aware of the medium and what he's playing with as far as, uh, as far as the, 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 the genre references. Yeah. Um, And I guess that's why I never totally connect with his movies. I feel like I, there's something about Scarface that doesn't let me in, you know, um, that keeps me at like a very arm's length. And I guess it's the same with blow up. I, I, I'm, I always feel like it's, a bit plastic in a way. I mean, De Palma's super plastic. Yeah. Um, and in a way where like, especially with news recently, um, in a way where like a movie like The Parallax View feels all too real. You right. Know? Um, where this just like bleak, seemingly mundane, but just kind of like, you know, Maybe it's we because you like good all. movies. Blow up's a good blow up's a good movie. I'm not yeah, I'm definitely not saying it's bad. It's just there's something about like that sort of early seventies like right. pessimism, the sort of I wouldn't say realism, it's not, but right. I don't know. That's a bit I mean, I don't know, by the time of like the eighties and De Palma, it's just a bit more spectacle oriented. I don't know. It's a bit more blown out. Hey. So we just went from cutting edge, crazy Egyptian music to Stromboli's to De Palma in the span of six minutes. So that's pretty good. Isn't that the point of the show? <laughs> um, was there any more music we wanted to talk about? Oh no, I wanted to talk about Scud and Nomex, Eurostar. Nomex was a noise musician. He did uh, a lot of stuff with um, uh, turntable tone arms that he would play with drills. Like he would rub the drill against? Um, he would use a record attached to a drill that he would play with a detached tone arm. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Uh, DJ Scud, very famous breakcore artist. They ran a short-lived label called Machine and Bow. I think there's only two seven issues on it. Um, very aggressive stuff. So the talk about field recordings is is what immediately brought this up in your mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we gotta have a. Um, no, we're talking about train train field recordings. Oh, we were talking about train field recordings. And this, this, okay, yeah, this yeah, that's a bit more. I was going to yeah, say, yeah. Sean, we need to like get you some field recordings <laughs> of like a beach. You know, <laughs> Jesus Christ. No, specifically train field recordings. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah, I mean, wild track. <laughs> Fun stuff. Uh, Nomex passed away, I think about a decade ago. Mm-hmm. He ran a label called Adverse. 
really good stuff if you like noise <laughs> any any last uh any last, last thoughts? thoughts sana you're Thank a, po- you, you're a podcaster do you want to do you want to plug your podcast um um if you want you can listen to um satellite yeah, we didn't get to talk about your work with uh with eflux and uh well, it's like it's like eflux podcast um and uh, we usually t- t- talk to um People who have contributed to Eflux Journal, um, but there's also a bunch of musicians on there. I've done a podcast with um, Spencer C. Spencer, yeah, who is your well. When this comes out, it will be the episode before this. So I've I've done a podcast with C. Spencer, yeah, and um, Keith Fulton Whitman, and um, Eve Essex, and. Uh, um, Peter Zumo and um, some some other people. Um, but yeah, you can you can find the Aflex podcast, and um, I I do like curate like a monthly um experimental music show at Aflex Bar Laika. It's in Clinton Hill. Um, it's not actually monthly. I haven't been really doing the monthly, but almost. Um, and we're putting out a release um, next month. It's, it's coming out on, I think, September 19th. And it will be by Joe Jeffers. It's called Amateur Psychology. be the first release for this series. It's going to be out on cassette and um, digitally, too. Awesome. Cool. <clears throat> well, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. Great chatting. Um, yeah, this has been Basecamp Beta, uh, recording from Control, and Patreon.com slash Basecamp Beta. Slash $10. (laughs) (laughs) Slash a million bucks. Mm -hmm.